Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to DPH Clinical. I'm joined by the guys from Colorado Surgical Institute, Dr. Tahir Dune and Dr. Dan Brisky. And if you guys listened to our last two episodes, we got a lot of great feedback on it with Chris Richards on there. And just talking about verbiage and stuff and what we can say and how we project things to patients and how we create this consultation that gets patients to say yes, which is ultimately what we want because we want them to be healthy. What's happening, guys? How are you guys doing today? Doing really good, man. I don't know if you remember last year I talked about that cruise where we had the sleepwalker come in yeah. to the room. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool because I did like some calls from people who heard the podcast and they mentioned that. So we actually booked the same thing again for my daughter's next birthday in May. So we'll kind of see how that whole thing goes. <laughs> Every so, time you walk in your room, you're going to like, uh, <laughs> like, is there a sleepwalker in here? Yeah. It's going to be like the poltergeist or the covenant or some horror movie coming to life. Oh, you know, what that reminds me of is that my brother is on his third marriage now, but on his first one, I went down there and my wife was standing up in a really close person's wedding and her. So she went to a different wedding than me. And I went with one of my good friends. And we stayed at this like really crappy motel. And like the whole time we're at this wedding, he just kept saying, Hey, there's a cat in our room right now. There's a cat. And I'm just like, what the, what the dude, you're, you're weird. Like, stop, get away from me. And then like the whole night, he just kept saying it. And when we got back to the hotel, there was a stray cat in our room. I'm like, what the hell is there a stray cat doing? He's like, I've been trying to tell you that when we left, it came by me and I just kicked it in the room and shut the door. So we had this stray cat, like rushing around, like tearing up the blankets and stuff going all nuts. And then what was funny is we came back all drunk. We wouldn't let it leave. And it was like, kind of friendly and we kept him and we, we let him go eventually. Like, <laughs> but, but he, he stayed the night. So it was kind of nice, but yeah, it was a nice, uh, unexpected house. Guess. Wedding cat. He was the wedding cat. Yeah. His name was mittens. Was, he didn't have a tag or anything. He just, I just feel like cats should be mittens. Brisky, you got any similar experience there? You got anything to relate to that? <laughs> I don't actually think I do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yet. <laughs> you're, not gonna, yet you're gonna have an interesting yeah. weekend now <laughs> anyway what are we talking about today guys we've had a lot of people come and talk to us about okay we technically understand how to do these procedures we just can't get people to say yes it's just like, like an awkward consultation they ask questions do i go technically into the answer is there a better way to speak in the language of the patient so that you can increase your case acceptance and not scare them away, but at the same time, do your job and inform them appropriately of what's happening. Because the goal is, is you need to inform people of what the future is going to hold because you're the expert. And then also you're, if they experience something negative in the future, you've already talked about it at the consultation. So then you've talked about what their future experience is going to be, which further qualifies you to be the one who does their treatment but then also how not to scare them at the consultation so they don't do the work. So it's kind of like a little art in terms of how you approach these questions. And, and it's just me and Brisky have a lot of reps at it. We have very high case acceptances. So yeah, we can just dive into any of the questions that we think patients may have. Can you think of a specific case where this really came back and bit you where you were just like, dang, I got to start telling patients about that? I have one where, and granted, when I first met her, my spidey sense, my bullshit alarm was going off in my head and I still said yes to the case. But for her, we did upper and lower all on fours or all on sixes, you know, because I like placing more than four typically. But what I didn't do is present this three on six thing, like how you have segmented bridges and all of that. The trust got broken at some point in the appointment because she kind of ended up being a batshit crazy. 
And she went and saw a prosthodontist who said, oh, well, you need a three on six. You're all on four or all on X prosthetic is not good enough. And so now I didn't educate her about all her options. And so this is why it's like, hey, let's talk about everything at the consultation. So then it doesn't seem like you're making an excuse later. Yeah. And granted, I don't think anything is going to come of it. But at the same time, it's like I could have absolutely handled this problem at day one versus at day 100. Do you think it's worth like handling all these in that manner for that one patient? Or just is there some point where we just accept that's an outlier that we can't do anything about? I was just wondering, like, at what point do we stop warning about everything? I'm the same mind. And like, I always try to warn for the worst case scenario. And it's cool when a patient has a complication and then they're cool with it and they say, you said this might happen. Their expectations were in line. But is there a certain point where it's like going too far? 100%. I would say if it only takes you an extra 60 seconds of talking max and maybe just an extra five minutes of prep time, that is worth just addressing. So for, for example, now, because I don't traditionally do three on sixes, every once in a while, there's the occasion where it's needed. But for the general mass population, a typically one fixed prosthetic is adequate. But what I've done now is I've included one line in the treatment plan that shows them an option. That's And it's more expensive. The lab work is harder. The approach is harder. So, you know, let's say it's an extra 15 grand to do that versus your traditional all on four. I show, hey, we talked about it. It's scanned into their treatment plan as well. And my one line to the patient is, hey, you also have this option of a segmented bridge. If you want to look it up and do some research, it's called a three on six. I don't think necessarily you are the right candidate for this right now. But if you want me to go, go into more detail on this option, I'm more than happy to tell you all about it. I just feel like this option here, that's less money, will still satisfy everything that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Brisky, can you think of a situation where you had wished you had told a patient something and you didn't? A lot of patients are asking for the three on six thing. I actually don't use the word three on six because it's really coined, like kind of termed like the all on X's now by the Implant Ninja guy. So three on six is by that one company, right, out of Utah. And they're opening up places everywhere. They're doing a lot of FP1s, which is great, right? We, we love the safe bone when we can. But sometimes the marketing messages can get a little bit confusing because their marketing basically says everyone is a candidate for FP1 where you're not removing bone and you're only placing implants and doing bridges. That's not true. Uh, maximum amount of patients that are FP1s are actually 25% of the population. So anyone that's doing those types of cases knows that this is true. It's not every case. So I get a little frustrated when I see patients come in and say, hey, I think I have every option. This person told me, promised me the moon. And realistically, that's not true, right? It's very misleading. And part of my consultation is pointing out the misleading things that they've been told in the past so that they get a little bit paranoid. And that way they don't go to anyone else. <laughs> yeah. They kind of circle back around and they come back to me and say, oh my God, all those things Dr. Brisky told me were true. He's an honest, genuine guy and I'm going to do my case with him. I just think the gingival like architecture would be a nightmare if somebody with a high smile line in something like this. I'm not sure like why would anyone want to go that route versus like having the, the full on prosthetic that has like the gingival, like it's part of the prosthetic. Sometimes where the bone is and where the smile line is, you can't reduce enough bone to hide the prosthetic transition line. And if they have enough teeth and you can root bank and socket shield and control the architecture of the bone, and you actually will drill in, it almost looks like the McDonald arches in the bone. Mm, yeah. You drill that in and you place your implants at a certain depth and you have like ovate pontics and design the gingival architecture and the gingival zenus and control all of that. 
an FP1 has its place, but at the end of the day, it is absolutely not for everyone. It's so much harder to do that for people who haven't done a lot of full arch treatment plans, it may not be worth tackling like right in this moment because you could kind of get in over your skis essentially on it. Then there's no coming back from it. You got to redo the surgery because your implants are placed at the wrong height. Yeah, I could totally see that. So like, what would you say like is a very common question that we get from patients that you want to, what's a common question that they would ask and how would you explain it to a patient? Dr. Brisky, what would you say to someone if they said, hey, you know, like our dental implants covered by my insurance and then we can tackle like Medicaid and then medical, but like just traditional dental insurance, does implants cover my dental insurance? And then would you say this is like an incoming phone call from like the front desk or just like what we get into the consult? Oh, no, we're in the consultation room. We're having the conversation. All right, cool. When patients ask me, are implants covered by dental insurance? I always tell them the same thing. Let's say if it's one or two implants, right? One implant, two implants, just the basics. I tell the patient, I pull up their breakdown for insurance and I explain to them, hey, your insurance gives you a coupon that your coupon is valued at $2,000. I tell them, wow, that's really cool. That's really good. Even though it sucks, right? I tell them that it's amazing. (laughs) And then I tell them, based on your insurance, your insurance is estimating to have uh, 50% coverage. And I say, but... What we historically see is that majority of patients actually get zero coverage on this. And like, huh, that's interesting. And they're like, why? And I say, well, implants are usually a cosmetic benefit where insurance may say that you have the benefit, but it's historically untrue. So what we do at our practice is we like to give you the worst case scenario. So we're going to assume insurance is not going to pay anything. And if they do pay, I'd rather give you your money back rather than ask for more, Right. Because a lot of practices will just assume that that benefit is a thing. Then the patient gets a big balance and that's how you get bad reviews. I never say that the patient will have insurance coverage for it. If they really, really, really want to know and you have that extremely insurance-driven patient, then you have to send the pre-D. Although I'm not a big fan of sending pre-Ds because it's a whole nother legwork and insurance can still deny it, right? So for me, I, I still tell them, I try to convince them out of it and let them know that it's a benefit, but we don't think that one's going to work for you. Now, if it's like for a full arch one, I tell them, hey, when we use insurance, by law, I have to charge for what I'm doing, right? If I don't tell insurance what I'm doing, that's called insurance fraud, (laughs) right? So I can't do that. So when you use insurance, insurance wants me to charge you a set fee. That fee is what they charge, right? So when you use insurance, you have to make an itemized list. You have to do implant plus implant plus implant plus extraction plus extraction, extraction. And this list gets very long. And when I'm using insurance fees, their fees are actually more expensive than mine. So I don't want you to use insurance where it hurts you, right? So you kind of just pull on the thread that insurance is not your friend in these bigger cases because it'll end up costing them more money. But then sometimes when they look at me funny, I I tell them, well, I want you to use your insurance. So use it where it matters, right? Use your $1,500 coupon for your cleanings for the year or for maybe another filling somewhere else, but don't use it where it's going to hurt you. And most patients are pretty receptive to that. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Ty Hardoon with Colorado Surgical Institute. Dr. Brisky and myself have really enjoyed doing these podcasts with Dr. Etch and talking about everything clinical. So keep your guys' feedback coming. It really helps us curate what we're going to be talking about on the podcast. 
If you want to learn how to do live patient surgeries and actually do the work yourself with the guidance of Dr. Brisky and myself, come out and see us. We're in northern Colorado. We're just north of Denver, and we can have you do anything from single implants to wisdom teeth to IV sedation to oral sedation, bone blocks and GBR and sinus lifts, vertical and lateral, and full arch with the whole digital workflow using photogametry, 3D printers, mills, and all of the above. So we're here to help. Reach out to us. You can call Chris Richards, our director, at 970-420-6148, and he will definitely have a hero discount for you guys because we love Paul and we love DPH. When we're looking at $1,200 to $1,500 on a big case like this, it just doesn't seem like a deal breaker. I would imagine it's not a deal breaker. Like, even though like I, I'm picturing myself like going to buy like a seventy five thousand dollar car and trying to negotiate a thousand dollars off. Like, I care. It's more of like a personal thing than it is like really well. I can't do it for that, but I could do it for a thousand less. I think people want this treatment. It's big treatment, right? And if they argue with you, I'd say, well, hey, cool, and then I'll just give you the thousand dollar coupon off. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they're happy. Then they'll, they'll want to move along, right? I think you should have like a little pre-printed one. You yeah. Know, you know, you're talking about your insurance, but you look like you've got something right behind your ear right here. What's that? It's a coupon. Let's just forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I'll do is I'll tell them like, hey, like let's repay for the full thing. We'll submit it to your insurance on a fixed full arch case. And whatever they pay, obviously we'll credit back to you. But let's plan on them not paying. But we always try to file at least the extractions or something to their insurance so we can maximize it. Because to these patients, 1500 bucks is a lot of money. And so if you at least show that you'll make an effort to try to collect it for them, then they'll typically move forward because they know at least you'll fight the good fight for them. Mm-hmm. What about if they say, like, what about my medical? I mean, this is my medical. This is medical. Why isn't it covered for medical? I just tell them, like, hey, look, medical hasn't got there yet. This is a, a legislation type of problem. Unfortunately, dental and medical don't communicate together. When it comes to the government, I have no control over it. But yeah, unfortunately, medical does not cover it. Now, for everyone listening, if you're in a specific state with Blue Cross Blue Shield, Blue Cross Blue Shield in like 40 out of 50 states will help with reconstructive surgeries, really just all on fours, not really like a single implant. So that's a whole nother conversation, but it's something you can look into if you'd like to. It's a rabbit hole. It takes a lot of time. It's expensive, but it's paid off for a few people who powered through all the, the nonsense. Worth the time and energy for the outliers there? Sometimes. I try to, so I try to swat that one like right away from the patient when they say that. And I tell them, I have a new line now. I tell them, hey, have you seen Stranger Things? Everyone's like, yeah, I've seen Stranger Things. So I was like, do you remember Dustin on Stranger Things? Remember how his teeth, he has like random teeth in his mouth? And I tell them, hey, listen, some people are only born with X amount of teeth and it's a huge disadvantage. Medical insurance coverage is reserved for those people. And historically, we've only seen coverage for people that are the one-offs. And unfortunately, Insurance has not caught up to the modern times, although we wish that they would have, right? <laughs> but unfortunately, how it is these days are they're reserved for the one-off in terms of the, the patients who are at a genetic disadvantage. And then I'll go, oh, okay. And then I kind of just, they turn that one Which off. one is Dustin in Stranger Things? He's the one with the fro, the fro, like uh, the curly hair, shorter guy with the hat. Teeth? Or he was missing teeth. He was yeah, he teeth. has a biological, like, yeah, yep, he's missing teeth a ton of them. So he had to have implants and ortho and all this stuff early on. But for someone like him, he'd have coverage. But someone that is not like him, you don't have coverage. 
Oh, you remember the dentist and the hangover where they're like, <laughs> paging doctor, you know what I mean? Like that dude, when he was missing his tooth, it was actually an implant that they took out when yeah. Mike Tyson punched him in his face. So then he was missing the tooth. Yeah, I totally, you know what's funny? That movie, all my friends were like, oh, did you see the hangover? Did you see the hangover? I'm like, no, I'm not watching the hangover because like I knew it was going to happen. And I remember like that opening scene, yeah. his wife's yelling at him and. He's being not the most masculine of a man, I guess, or she's kind of demasculated him. I'm like, this is going to be the dentist. I guarantee this is the dental character. But then I really liked the movie. And that line you're referencing, I still get that from friends often. <laughs> well, that's how you know they're good friends, because you let them say it to you. <laughs> I just tell them I'm not a real doctor. Stop calling me that. Don't even say doctor anymore, guys. Yeah. Yeah. My brother's like an anesthesiologist, so I always get the whole, well, your brother's the real Dr. Dune, you're the fake Dr. Dune. Yeah. So that's the zinger that from my friends that we grew up with. I was going to say, you ever get that from your parents? Why couldn't you not go to medical uh, school? No, but it, they say it with their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> their judgmental eyes. <laughs> I know what they're thinking. Do you guys ever get questions about like warranties and like, like someone says, hey, these things are forever, right? Like what do I do? Like, once I get this, these don't come out. This is like a teeth forever. I'll tell them a version of, Hey, like nothing that we do in dentistry lasts forever. So I want you at least going in with the expectation that something needs to get revisited at some point. I don't say redone. I don't say failure. I don't say like really dramatic words, but I'll say, Hey, you know, we might have to revisit this in 10 to 15 to 20 years. And then also in a couple of years, what some people may need is they may need some soft tissue grafting as well. I'm already priming them for like three or five years down the road that you might have to do a connective tissue graft on some area where you have like a minimal amount of attached tissue or keratinized gingiva around it. So I'm kind of talking about these things, but I'm saying it just very kind of like matter of fact. And then they talk about warranty. How long does this typically last? What else tell them is like, hey, what we know about this procedure is it can go you know anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 years. Some people are, are longer than that. But at the end of the day, we don't have research on the new type of implant and the new type of approach we're doing. It's far better than the way we've ever done it. And all those cases are going really long times. But what it really depends on is it depends on if the patient comes in and lets me see them four times a year and they meet me halfway and come to all their appointments. So you do all the things that I ask you to do and you show up to all your appointments, typically speaking, we're just fine. But if you ever disappeared for five years and you don't see a dentist in that five-year span, I can't guarantee that this is going to go because what happens every three months when you come see our hygienist, you could be doing a phenomenal job and then just miss one area. If you miss one area for three months, it's usually not at the end of the world. But if you miss one area for one year, there might be a big problem that we have to fix and that could be expensive. So I'm kind of just coaching them on, hey, you need to come in for your hygiene. You need to get the maintenance done on these things. The maintenance is the most important part out of all of this. It's just the follow-up. So a three-month recall. For fixed full arch cases and for like full arch crown and bridge cases that has like implants and crowns and video changes and a lot of porcelain in there, I want them in four times a year to get everything checked. Forever? Forever. We're blessed to have people who travel pretty far to see us now. So I'll tell them like, hey, if you're traveling really far, go get two of these hygiene visits at your dentist, wherever it's closer to home, and then come see me at least twice a year, pop in and, and let me take a look at it all. It's interesting. Yeah, I do. I did the same. Very, very similar. I always point towards research. I tell them, hey, research says 10-year data on this is 97% of the time your teeth will last 10 years, right? 
And then I tell them the biggest portion is obviously having the comeback, right? So if you're doing the right things, if you're getting the cleanings in a timely fashion, I can spot issues. And I always tell them a story that I, I remember one patient and pay, I remember Brenda doing, there was like a huge, a huge failure on Brenda. And I always tell them a story. Hey, I remember one patient that comes to mind where there was a catastrophic failure. And they're like, whoa, like what happened? I was like, this patient, we did her arch. She disappeared for two and a half years, never came back. She came back and said, my teeth have been loose for about a year. When that happens, bacteria can travel down onto the implant. And what she did was she lost all of her implants. And I said, all of that can be avoided. And I tell them the good news is at this practice, we go the extra mile compared to a corporate office like a Clear Choice or a Nuvia. We not only do your implants, but we take care of them for you for your lifetime. And I tell them how awesome of a service that I think this is for you. So I tell them, unfortunately, because I can't predict if you're chewing on rocks at home or opening bottles with your teeth, right? I have no idea what, what you're going to do if you're going to disappear. But as long as I can see you routinely, I know I can spot issues ahead of time and I can make sure these things don't fail for you. But over a 10-year period, there is wear and tear. You can get a filling on a tooth, right? You could get a crown on a tooth. The same thing, the same rules apply to your implants. You could have to have a screw replaced, or maybe your teeth have to be remade later down the years. But my goal is to get you till 90 years old and smiling and chewing. So in order for me to get you to the finish line with you having teeth, I need to see you every three to four months. I'm a little upset with Brenda. And so I don't ever tell them that there is a warranty and how long that is. And I just put them back. I just put it back on them and tell them I'm here to help them. Right. How do you walk around with loose teeth for a whole year? Dude, you'd be surprised at what people <laughs> I'm just not do. Surprised. You know, if, <laughs> I'm really not. But <laughs> it's crazy. That's the thing. And so, like, when I'm going over some things and it's really obvious, and it, it sounds like I'm maybe talking down to the patient because it's like, dude, you know, that's pretty obvious shit. I'll tell the patient, like, hey, I know you know these things. It's super intuitive. I've just been doing this for so long. I just want to tell you everything. So if I tell you something you already know, great. I just I'm going to be very thorough with it. And then I pre-address the fact that I don't think that the patient's dumb. I just want to cover everything because some people will try to extrapolate out in their mind, like, oh, the doctor's talking down to me. He's telling me like, hey, if your teeth are loose, come in. I got to fix some type of like scenario. Jeez. Well, what do you guys got coming up March? We got a course coming up in March and the big one in June. Talk about it. Yeah. So we have had so much interest in full arch. I mean, we've been pushing people out and we like to keep everything to 10 operatories just because the, the quality of the course is really, really great. And then when we get to 17, it's like a lot of stuff going on. So what we're doing at our March course is we're running half the course is wisdom teeth. And we only count partial bony and complete bony impactions. So then the docs coming in will get like really like rock solid reps. If you do some soft tissue and whatever, you know, I mean, we don't really necessarily count those too much. And then we also will run an IV sedation course at the March course. So then you'll also get to have the anesthesia docs sedating patients and you'll get to like see that whole workflow. But the really cool thing is, is now that we have such a backlog of doctors who want to do full arch procedures, we're opening up a few arches in all of the courses to kind of satisfy the demand. So if you are looking for full arch procedures and you want to come in and you don't want to wait till the actual like big, big event that we have in June, where we just only do arches and sinuses and blocks, we can open up some spots for full arches in March too. So it's just really growing quickly and it's cool to solve these problems and to incorporate different modalities into one weekend. Awesome. We'll check that out at coloradosurgicalinstitute.com. Thank you so much, guys. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Paul.
Thanks, Paul. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Dune from Colorado Surgical Institute. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out and let you know about the program. We have full arch surgeries. We have lateral sinus lifts. We have block grafting courses all done in one weekend with the whole digital workflow with photogametry units, scanners, 3D printers, milling, you name it, anything regarded to full arch, we cover in depth. We also have a PGCA course. What that is, it's the Postgraduate Clinical Accelerator course where we are gonna be covering wisdom teeth, single implants, and it can be complex single implants with vertical sinus lifts. We'll also be covering full arch extractions with ridge reduction, bone grafting, PRP, suturing, and we also will have a course on socket preservation. So if you guys are interested in any of those courses, please reach out to us at Colorado Surgical Institute. The code is